Hey, what's up? It is Kyle. I am editing the podcast right now. I just want to give a heads up. Why do I sound so weird? I just want to give a heads up right now. Uh, in this episode, Riley mentions it, but he's holding his microphone in his hand. He usually sits on his desk, but he decides to hold it in his hand and... Uh, what him nor I realized at the time was that that, it waggled, it waggled the cable, and there's a constant popping throughout the entire episode whenever he talks. I try to cut it out, but it's, it's there. So just giving you a heads up uh, at the top of the episode because it is a bit distracting, but just want to let you know it's there. All right, now let's listen to me and Riley talk about... I don't remember what this episode on. I'm editing it right now. Oh, d- kids. It's on kids. We might be having kids. See ya. Yo. All right, I'm recording. Uh, I record? am recording. All right, there we go. I, for some reason, how you said that, I feel like that's going to be a bitch to edit, but I'm going to uh, plow on. No, I am recording. It's fine. Um, <laughs> this is the Flipbook Podcast. I am Kyle. You are I am Riley. Riley. Sans Gabe this week. He's fucked himself on his Yeah, computer. he's not here. Hopefully, he'll be on the movie one. I don't care. But I'm happy. It's, I'm happy it's pop right. Yeah, now. honestly, it's just probably a lot of saved time. We, we, we've we've <laughs> we, we've lost the biggest hindrance on our on our progress for sure. There's no sticker book coming out this week. There's no. Jesus I don't want to. I don't want to. I am a fan. I don't like Jesus the term sucks. dead weight, but it may apply. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that's like good. good. I can't. I can't wait to still tweet him, and hopefully yeah. he link listens oh, for sure. to the link. And he dude, ju- I'm just like Justice League. I got jokes. Oh, he's got jokes. He's filled with the joke. He's a regular Flash. <laughs> um, so let's just jump right into this one because it's a bit long, but I feel like you and I will let's, crack through. Let's a do bit it, man. In like a reasonable amount of time. So, oh, I should have looked at how to pronounce this. It feels like a real easy one. Oh but boy! Got it. Thank God I only got to say it once. Giorgio Sodou. Oh, okay, yeah, I gotcha. That's a French accent. Shouldn't have been, because he was born in Tula, Sardinia, <laughs> Italy. <laughs> so it should have been an Italian <laughs> accent. Uh, Giorgio Sodou. <laughs> I did the Italian hands. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, that's like... Yeah, you know what they are. You know what <laughs> Italian hands know what are. They are. Come on. Uh, he left Italy and immigrated to the United States when he was 13 with his older brother. Oh, uh, the older brother turned around and headed back to Italy as soon as they passed customs at Ellis Island. So he's just been like, yeah, I'll ride with you. I'll drop you okay, off. Okay, I'm going back. This, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's like, I've seen the Statue of Liberty. I'm heading back to Italy. <laughs> um, he changed his name to George Sauter and would become quiet whenever he talked about why he left his home in Italia. Wow, okay. Didn't say that in my notes, but I had time going. Okay, good. Uh, Sauter uh, found work uh, working on railroads in Pennsylvania, carrying supplies and water for the workers. And once he got older, he got a permanent job as a driver in West Virginia and eventually opened his own truck driving Ooh. company. Hey, he's, he's, he's moving up in the world. I got He's an entrepreneur. Here. I'm holding mine. I feel like it's going to get the best quality possible. It's, it's definitely I'm quality. I'm speaking that I get into it. it with such enunciation. It's, it's truly impressive, honestly. 
It's, it's definitely peaking a lot, you're... so you're going to have to turn the volume down. But, you know, that's fine. Yeah, you're naturally yeah, loud, yeah. and then when you do that, I'm always like, eh, it's, it's very loud. It's very loud. So, George eventually married Jenny... Oh, wait. So, oh, okay. wait, I skipped a line. Initially, the company would carry dirt to construction sites, but they eventually worked up to trucking coal oh. from mining sites. Mm-hmm. Now I'm back in it. George eventually married Jenny Cipriani... Another a Italian. storekeeper's wife who had also immigrated from Italy in her childhood. And the oh. couple settled in Fayetteville, West Virginia. I think I have family nearby there. Fayetteville, I mean, that sounds very familiar. That sounds very familiar. Yeah, unfortunately. Mm. Uh, they live in a two-story timber frame house two miles north of the town, and they had their first of their ten children in 1923. That's a lot of children. It's a lot they of kids. They pump them out. They pump them was, out. That's how it was back in the day. It's like, what's that? You have less than seven children? You're a fucking disgrace. Yeah. It was more of, it's you play in the numbers because <laughs> at least two die. Yeah, yeah, you're just trying. But th- this family had a uh, an uncanny ability to not have children die on them. Good for them. So all ten lived. Good for, wow, that's impressive. Well, I say that now. <laughs> I haven't finished the story. Okay, let's, let's finish the story. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> that is very ironic considering this story. Um, but a hint of what's to come uh, Now George grew to become One of the most respected middle class men In the area according to official But he also wasn't really popular George had opinions And was not afraid to let people know Oh an opinionated which, Italian yeah. That's odd Yeah, that, That's also just known as an Italian <laughs> uh, Oh man we're playing a stereotype um, game tonight I love it <laughs> ah, It's okay I've been there <laughs> That's how it works, right? As long as you go somewhere, you're, fine. you're allowed oh, to yeah, you can say whatever be you want. stereotypical yeah. about yeah. them. Uh, especially his hatred and opposition against Mussolini. Okay. So the town that they're in is literally just small. It's a an Italian immigrant community. So this town in West Virginia is basically all Italian okay. immigrants. <laughs> nice. And he's just going around being like, yeah, fuck Mussolini. Am I right? And everybody's like, no, we're Italian and like him. He's like, nah, nah fuck, fuck him. him. <laughs> he's just shouting That's about cool. him. Which I yeah, like, I like for that. that. That's 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 the tits. Fuck them. This led to some strong arguments. <laughs> Notice the air quotes uh, around town. Uh, the last of the Sodder children, Sylvia, was born in 1943, and by that time, the oldest child, Joe, was 20 and fighting in Ooh. World War II. Uh, in 1944, Mussolini was deposed and executed. But George still had some criticism for him, and that upset a lot of people around town. What? what? So he's Mussolini gets deposed and executed, and he's like, damn right he did. He still talks shit about him. He's like, this motherfucker. What? I love it. Most Italians um, fucking hated Mussolini. Well, not in this town in West not Virginia. Not in this town. I guess maybe because they weren't living in well, Italy. <laughs> they were, also, they were it's living. West Virginia, so everything's backwards. Like, if they were living in Italy, they might they might have different feelings. <laughs> Uh, the following year, in 1945, a life insurance salesman visiting the home, uh, vi- or visited the home, and when George knocked him back, the salesman warned George that quote his house would go up in smoke and your children are going to be destroyed. Wait, knocked him back, like the guy comes up, like, hey, here's life insurance. George is like, no, just pushes him, or like, like essentially, George is just, not like physically, but the guy's like, you want life insurance? George is no. like, no, I don't really want it. And he's like, hey, <laughs> somebody denies. He's like, yeah, I don't really want to buy any. And the response is, his house would go up in smoke and your children are going to be destroyed. All right. He well. said it was because of all, quote, quote, 
because of quote all the dirty remarks you have been making about Mussolini. End quote. I'd be like, you are a horrible life insurance salesman. I, I, <laughs> this is this I is am, the shittiest pitch I've ever heard. I am not giving you my business, sir. Now leave. <laughs> uh, then later on, someone visited the house looking for work, and while walking, they just walked up and they're like, "Hey, you got work?" <laughs> and George is like, "Uh, no, not really." But they're walking around the house for some reason. <laughs> hey, you got work? No, and, not really. <laughs> He looked at the fuse box in the back, and the guy said, "Quote that it or said that it would quote cause a fire someday." I cannot nail how to say quote. Yeah, you're having a hard reason. time with the quotes today. It's fine. Keep going. And said that it would quote cause a fire oh, someday. End quote. George told him to leave politely, but thought the whole experience Ooh. was strange since he had <sighs> just replaced the fuse box and had the house rewired. <laughs> He's like, a lot of people are telling stove. me my house is gonna burn down. This is strange. Something's not right here. And the. <laughs> The electric company said the house was safe and good to go. Oh, okay. In December of 1945, the older Sodder sons noticed a strange car parking along the main highway in town, with the people inside watching the younger Sodder children walking home from school. Oh, boy. On Christmas Eve 1945, Marion, the oldest daughter, came home from her job, where she gave three of the younger sisters, Martha, 12, Jenny, 8, and Betty, 5, toys she bought for them and the kids were so excited that they asked their mother to stay up later oh that's sweet uh their mother said it okay as long as two of the brothers maurice 14 and louise or lewis 9 made sure to put the cows on the farm and feed the chickens before going to bed how wholesome so the mother jenny took two-year-old sylvie upstairs when where george uh the son john 23 and george jr 16 were already asleep from work that day uh, she went upstairs at 10 p.m. Now, I've provided a date, and I've also started to provide oh, times. Boy. So, clearly, it's about to get good. Shit's up. Shit is going down. At 12.30 a.m., the phone rang, and Jenny went downstairs to answer it. It was a woman whose voice she did not recognize, asking for a name she didn't recognize, with the sounds of laughter and clinking glasses in the background. Okay. Jenny told her she had a ro- the wrong number, and then the lady let out a super weird laugh, and Jenny just hung up. Okay. Uh, she saw Marion fell asleep on the bed, so she assumed the little girls went upstairs to the bedroom in the attic. We thought it was weird that they left the lights in the room on and uh, did not close the curtains as they usually do. She turned off the lights and closed the curtains and went to bed. Uh-oh. At 1 a.m., Jenny woke up because she heard a loud bang of something dropping on the roof and then rolling. And after waiting a few minutes, she heard nothing and went back to bed. <laughs> I feel like I'd be like, all right, something's going on. I feel like I'd check things out. Uh, at 1.30 a.m., she woke up to the smell of smoke Uh-oh. and ran to George's Uh-oh. office to see who was on fire around his telephone and the fuse box. Uh, she woke George up, and he woke up the two older sons. Then they woke up Marion and Sylvia and ran outside and shouted up to the attic from the outside for the kids to wake up. Uh, they heard nothing. The kids left in the house were Maurice, who's 14, Martha, who's 12, Louis, who's 9, Jenny, who's 8, and Betty, who's 5. I feel like I have the wrong why person there. I, you know what? I don't, and I double-checked that. Why wouldn't they get them, too? That's very confusing. Well, because they're running out of the house when it's on fire, and then they get outside, and they're like, oh, shit, they didn't I would. I, I feel like I would. Okay, whatever, sure. Yeah, it's in the situation. Okay, I'll give it a pass. <laughs> Uh, attempts to get help were shockingly mm. difficult. They tried to call the fire department, so Marion had to run to a neighbor's to call the fire department. Somebody driving by saw the fire and drove to a nearby tavern to call, 
but couldn't get through because either the operator wouldn't pick up or the phone was broken. Mm. Eventually, both the driver and the neighbor had to drive to the center to town, center of town, to actually be able to call. Jesus. George was barefoot. He climbed up the side of the house and cut his arm, breaking open the attic window, and fell down. Then they tried to use the ladder that was usually resting against the house, but it was gone and couldn't be found nearby. Jesus. The water barrel they kept to put out fires was frozen solid, and they tried to pull up two of the business trucks to the side uh, to get on top of them to get to the window, but both wouldn't start, even though they worked perfectly fine the day before. Huh. Since the fire department was low on men due to the war and relied on a personal network to call each other, so basically the game of telephone, <laughs> but to respond to a fire. Um, uh, along with the fire chief saying he couldn't drive the truck, so he had to wait for someone else to show up to drive the truck, uh, the firefighters didn't get there until almost 6 a.m. I'm just going to remind you, the fire started at Yeah, Jesus, wow. The family had to sit outside the house and watch it burn and crumble for 45 minutes that Christmas morning, assuming their children weren't still inside. Damn. At, at 10 a.m., the firefighters looked through the ashes, and Chief Morris told the family that they couldn't find any bones or remains since they had all burned up in the fire. Later on in another account, one firefighter claimed they found part of one bone and some internal organs. Uh, the chief told George to leave the ashes there, but after four days of no fire marshals showing up to do any sort of investigation, George and his wife couldn't stand the side of the ashes and bulldozed it and covered it with five feet of dirt to turn it into a memorial garden for Jesus. the kids. Uh, the local coroner convened an inquest the next day, and the group of jurors found that it was caused by faulty wiring. Wow. One of the people on the jury, do you want to take a guess? Maybe some of these people on the jury. I bet they might be town. some of the Italians around town. Funny enough, it's them and somebody else in the jury was the life insurance salesman who <laughs> by saying the house burned down and his children would be destroyed. So that guy is deciding I how like, the house is like, oh, burned down. I, I, I warned him. <laughs> <laughs> Death certificates were issued for the five kids, and George and Jenny were too grief stricken to attend the funeral while the other surviving kids did attend. The local paper contradicted itself in the reporting of the fire by claiming all of the remains had been found, but then a few paragraphs later saying only part of one body had been found. Alright. Once the family started to rebuild, they started to question the findings from the fire. How could the Christmas tree lights have stayed on during the fire if it was caused by an electrical issue that would have cut off all power to the house once the fire started? That's a good question. The ladder was finally found. In a ditch 75 away, 75 feet away from the house. Uh-oh. A telephone repairman looked at the phone line to see if there was any issue with that uh, that may have caused the fire and said it wasn't burnt up during the fire, but actually cut beforehand. Oh, and no. And actually cut by someone who would have had to climb 14 feet up. Ironically, maybe the distance you might get from a the ladder. ladder. <laughs> climb 14 feet up the pole and lean two feet away from it to do so. Hmm. Uh, a man was arrested when neighbors reported him for going to the house uh, earlier that, like, I guess I'm assuming that week, and stealing a block and tackle from around the fire. Uh, oh, wait, that doesn't make any sense. He was stealing a block and tackle from the house. Okay, okay. And he admitted to stealing it and claimed he cut the phone line, thinking it was the power line. Uh, he, and they were like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And so they let him free, and no record of the man's identity exists. Wow. So they, no, we know they know, we know they pulled somebody in. We have no idea who they pulled in, 
and we know he cut the phone. <laughs> Jesus. Jenny also didn't believe You've... the claim that all the remains had burned up, since there were still some remains of the furniture in the house and parts of the tin roof. She was reading shit tons of newspapers of similar. She was just reading newspapers from all across the country, sort of looking oh, for similar sense, cases, yeah. and found one where seven kids passed away in a similar w- way, and like a house burning down, but all of their remains were found. Oh. She then started collecting bones from dead animals and trying to burn <laughs> oh, them. Oh boy! So doing a bit of investigation. Oh boy! <laughs> uh, and all every time the remains were always there. She then went to the local crematorium and asked them, and they said that the bones would have had to been on fire, would have had to been on fire for two hours at two thousand degrees Fahrenheit. The fire uh, was way less hot and burned down in forty-five minutes. Uh, now some think that maybe George and the sons accidentally flooded the engines when they tried to start, <laughs> and uh, also that woman who made the weird phone call—they found her. And they were like, did you call them at night? She was like, yeah, sorry, it was a wrong dial. <laughs> okay. But even if you did do it with malicious intent, you can still say, oh, yeah, it's a wrong dial. It's like, not like they can be like, uh. <laughs> we're on to you, lady. Like, they're just like, all right, I guess that, that, that makes, makes sense. sense. Considering what you said and what you have said now and said then and did then, I guess it that does make sense. Make sense. <laughs> then they started interviewing witnesses. This was my favorite part. They now were starting to interview witnesses. This is like months later. Uh, the first witness they interviewed was a bus driver passing by, claiming he saw people throw, quote, balls of fire at the house. And uh, a few months later, once the snow had melted, Sylvia, the two-year-old, was playing outside and found a small, hard, dark green, uh, rubber ball-like object in bushes nearby. Uh, George recognized it as a pineapple bomb. And putting that story with the loud thump on the roof and the pineapple bomb and the balls of fire being thrown in the house, the family claimed that the fire started on the roof, okay. not on the bottom floor. Uh, then people started to claim to have seen the kids themselves, with a woman saying that she saw a car pass by while the house was on fire with the kids inside peering out at them. Jesus. Then a waitress at a rest stop uh, between Fayetteville and Charleston, West Virginia, claimed she served the kids breakfast the next morning and said there was a car with Florida license plates in the parking lot. Damn. In, 1945, in 1949, they excavated the site and found a vertebrae and went through enough steps to get the Smithsonian to look at it, and they returned it and saying it came from someone in their 20s. <laughs> Most likely, the guy was able to do, the Smithsonian did research, it's like, Oh, the dirt you got to cover this pit. It actually comes from Mount Hope. And on the side of Mount Hope is a massive cemetery. You probably have somebody's bone from the cemetery <laughs> in your dirt. And everybody's like, well, we thought we had hope. And it turns out we just got dirt from a cemetery to fill the memorial grave for our children. <laughs> That's nice. Uh, they even tried to get the FBI involved. And J. Edgar Hoover personally wrote to them, basically saying... He would love to help, but he can't until the local fire department and law enforcement asked the FBI to get involved. And clearly, the local inf- law enforcement and not, fire department not don't want anyone to, to get involved. Okay. So, this is happening. Um, and they had printed out flyers with pictures of the children offering a $5,000 reward 
which was eventually doubled for any information to help sell the case for even one of the kids. Uh, in 1952, they put up a billboard at billboard at the side of the house, uh, which is massive and has pictures of the kids. It's become a big landmark for traffic going through Fayetteville, and uh, it's got like "Have you seen yeah, these yeah, kids?" Yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Uh, a woman who ran a Charleston motel, Ida Crutchfield, okay. claimed to have seen the children approximately a week afterwards. Okay. Quote, I do not remember the exact date, she said in a statement. Uh, the children came in uh, around midnight with two men and two women, all of whom appeared to be of, quote, Italian extraction. Oh, Italian extraction. What the fuck does that mean? I've never, yeah, I, I've never heard that ever. <laughs> it's quite a way to put it. Uh, when she attempted to speak with the children, quote, one of the men looked at me in a hostile manner. Oh. In a hostile manner, oh. he turned around and he began talking rapidly in Italian. Immediately, the whole party stopped talking to me. Wow. She recalled that they left the hotel early the next morning. Uh, investigators uh, today, though, do not consider her story credible, as she has only first seen photos of the children two years after the fire. Uh, she had, as she had only seen first seen photos of the children two years after the fire five years before she came forward alright so yeah it was a bit weird um George Sauter was following up on stories uh a woman in St. Louis claimed to be Martha and was being held in the covent there okay uh a bar patron in Texas claimed to have overheard two other people making incriminating statements about a fire that happened in Christmas Eve in West Virginia uh none of them proved to go anywhere okay uh, George later heard from a relative of Jenny's in Florida that the children had looked similar, uh, that a relative of Jenny's in Florida had children that looked similar to his. Uh, but the relative was like, no, these are my own kids. Like somebody was like, hey, Uncle Bill's got kids that look <laughs> like yours. He's going down there. He's like, Uncle Bill, why do you have kids? And he's like, they're mine. <laughs> look. Uh, in 1967, George went to Houston, uh, to investigate another tip. Uh, a woman there had written to the family saying that Louis Sauter had revealed his true identity to her one night after having too much to Okay. Drink. She believed that he and Maurice were both living in Texas. Uh, but George Sauter and his uh, son-in-law, Grove pa- Grover Paxton, uh, couldn't find her. Okay. Um, but then they were able to find – they went to the police, the local police, uh, and they were able to find the two men. And they were like, hey, are you our sons? And they were like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, he said, the son-in-law has always said that the denial, uh, lingered in George's mind for the rest of his life. Uh, another letter they received in 1967, uh, was probably the most credible evidence, uh, that at least Lewis was still alive. Uh, one day Jenny found a mail, in the mail, a letter addressed to her. From Central City, Kentucky. Probably the Flash, am I right? Uh, he's from Central City. I'm sorry. Um, it had no return address. Inside, it was a picture of a young man, around 30, with features strongly resembling Lewis's, uh, who would have been in his 30s at the time if he had okay. survived. On the back was written, Lewis Sauter, I love Brother Frankie, uh, little boys, and then there's like weird numbers. Um, okay. So they hire a private detective to go to Central City. Uh, but he never reported back. Uh, they never found him. He okay. just went missing. 
and so they added the photo of the new photo of the sun to the billboard. Uh, and they like blew it up and they like made it like a real like photo to put in picture frame and that sat over their fireplace. They were like, "Look, it's our sun." Jesus. Yeah. Uh, and so then in 1968, they just sort of like were like, "We're running out of time. We're getting really old." Uh, wait. They say a quote. It's uh. They said quote like hitting a rock wall. We can't go any further. And they also said, quote, but we only want to know. If they did die in the fire, we want to be convinced. Otherwise, we want to know what happened to them. George died in 1969. He never found out what happened to his kids. Uh, George and her surviving children, uh, or Jenny and her surviving children, except John, who never talked about the night of the fire, except to say that the family should accept it and go on with their lives, uh, continued to look for answers. Okay. Uh she, Jenny, for the rest of her life, wore black in mourning and tended to the garden at the side of the former house. After her death in 1989, the family uh, finally took the withered, uh, worn billboard down. Uh, the rest of the children have always uh, gone on to sort of theorize what happened. They thought maybe it was a Sicilian mafia trying to extort money from George Sauter, and then the the kids may have been taken by somebody who knew that the arson would have happened and like somebody in the mob was like they're gonna burn down george's house the kids are probably gonna die i'm gonna take as many as i can i'm gonna keep them safe but then if he revealed who the kids were the mafia was gonna kill okay. him it seems really complicated yeah, that seems very convoluted uh as of 2015 the only person still alive from the family sylvia who was two at the time uh she said it's one of her early the house fire is her earliest memory uh, and so, uh, she stayed, but she also talks about the grief that her family goes through and she was like the youngest person. So she clearly stayed with the parents longer than any of the other yeah. children. She's like, yeah, that was rough. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Um, it's considered now that by a lot of people that they probably, uh, died in the fire, but everybody acknowledges like, that's probably but we cannot confirm because there is just a lot of weird shit surrounding this that you're just like, well, why the fuck did that happen? Or why are people saying that they've you know seen them in this spot or seen them at that spot? Or why aren't the bones there if the fire did you know burn that long? It's just like it was like they probably will say they burned in the fire just for a bit of like peace of mind, but there's there's a chance they might have not happen. And they might be alive, or maybe they were killed by somebody else. I don't know. The whole thing's weird. It is odd. It is definitely odd. Is this is so? Is this like a conspiracy theory type uh, type story? It's more just of a mystery. Okay, uh, I see. There's no conspiracy theories about it, unless they were kidnapped for the MK Ultra program by the CIA. Uh, Jesus Christ! That is a real thing. Uh, <laughs> It's been revealed in debriefed uh, government documents. But, <laughs> Shut the uh, fuck up. Why am I still validating that argument? It's not what happened. I, what do you think happened? Me? I, I, I couldn't possibly know. Probably. It sounds like... I mean, I don't know. I, uh, could they all have died in the fire? I, very likely, yes. But, you know, uh, I mean... It sounds like they had a lot of enemies. It's possible that the kids were taken and stuff. I, I could... I could see it either way. 
They every way just sounds crazy. Yeah. Like there's not enough evidence in either case to be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. It's just like there's not enough. To, if they burned up the fire, then why aren't there any bones or remains? But if they were kidnapped, what? What? Like where? What? Let's get a bit of proof of that. You know, like that's and that's insane. That even like. Let's say if they were kidnapped yeah. and somebody took them to Florida, that person who kidnapped them would have died just by sheer age before them. So why didn't they were like, and hey, now that we're free, we're the solder kids. Yeah. Like it's yeah, just... it's, it's definitely weird. It's definitely weird. I, I most likely they died. That would that probably is the argument that makes the most sense. It's just unf- I the whole thing just makes me sad because of the daddy. It's just like in 1967, he's traveling. 66, 67, he's traveling all across the country. 68, he's like, I'm really running out of gas. I just want an answer. 69, yeah, he dies. You're just like, oh, that's God, sad, that's yeah, brutal. That's but I do love the fact that the kid's just playing in the backyard. Like, the snow's melted. Here we are in spring. We're having a good time. That's like, oh, God, she's playing <laughs> with the pineapple bomb. I gotta, I gotta, gotta go, gotta go gotta grab go, that out of her hand. Oh, boy. <laughs> I also do love him. He's in a town of all Italians. They're all like, we like Mussolini. He's like, Mussolini's a fucking piece of <laughs> I shit. Do like that. I love that. I do what like a hero. That. I love that. And it's just, but then there's just so much sketchy stuff yeah. of also like, why the fuck is the ladder 75 yeah, feet away odd. in a ditch? It's definitely odd. But at most, it's definitely it, The whole weird. thing's weird. I also wouldn't have been shocked if like, it caught fire. I, a hundred percent, somebody started the fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A hundred percent. I just don't know what happened with the kids. But I do love that somebody's like, hey, we're going to get rid of this uh, ladder. What are we going to do with it? Are we going to steal it? Nah, just put it in a ditch in their backyard about 75 feet away. I'll never find it. Should we cover it? Nah, don't cover it. Just put it in the ditch. (laughs) That is good. That is a classic method of intimidation. (laughs) Steal the ladder. Uh, (laughs) The classic intimidation from the mafia. We'll steal your fucking ladder. Yeah, yeah. Um, You like that. You can follow us. That's it for this week's Flipbook Podcast. You can follow uh, me on Twitter at KyleTJ1031. You can follow Riley on Twitter at AnEpicsMan, Epics with an X. Uh, like and subscribe. Tell a friend. Tell lots of friends. Mm-hmm. Just do what I do. I'm always just like, listen to this podcast. I don't actually do that. Maybe choke <laughs> them out with the headphones. And just be like, listen to it. Um, oh. Yeah, tell a friend. It's going to be quite a sound. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a real exciting time. You're making stuff that's going to be a bitch to edit, you motherfucker. It's going to be such a pain in the ass. The waveform looks awesome, though, on my Audacity. I can hear it, and I'm like, that's going to get edited. Oh, it's going to be awful, but my voice will be crystal clear. Uh, that's debatable <laughs> now. That now, whatever you talk, it's so it's a bit shaky. Is you motherfucker. It a bit shaky? <laughs> I, I just wanted everybody to know because I will be cutting that out. Riley is shaking the microphone and talking into yeah, it. Dude, it will have to get cut. No, just oh. let it go. Let it go. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, you can follow. Yep, follow us on Twitter. Tell a friend. Like. Yeah. Subscribe. Uh. And you tweet at us, and there's an email. I think it's flipbookpod at gmail.com. Yeah. I think that's the email. You can email us anything. Yeah, check out our other podcast, too. And yeah, oh, yeah. Check out the other podcast. I always forget the uh, the cross promotional stuff. You can listen yeah. to uh, Real to Real, R E E L to R E A L. Yeah, keep an eye out for future content. 
I have a couple short films coming down the pipeline. Pretty exciting. And uh, cheeky, you cheeky pitch. We will get back into. Oh it. yeah, we were we are gonna do it. We will do it at some point. At some point. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we're up. Yeah, we're up. Yeah, we're up. Yeah, we're up.